We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for June 9th, 2013. And this next part is Ex-Satanist Details Illuminati's Spiritual Plan. Now again, I don't post something and report on something unless it lines up with my previous research. Not, not to say I'm going to agree with every single thing in a particular article, but this is just one of the many things that has lined up with my previous research. So, here we have a picture of um, uh, a simulation of an Earth portal from a Stargate, which is just their simulation. It's from Stargate SGI, and um, the little gray alien opening up the whatever. So, it's a simulation. I'm not saying this actually is, but in the article they have this, so you can kind of get an idea of what we're dealing with here. The goal of Satanists is to eventually have demonic spirits materialize in the guise of benevolent beings. Benevolent meaning nice. They, they appear, oh, they appear wonderful, and nice, and generous. According to a former Illuminati member, they will use rituals, dimensional portals, and blood to make this happen. Now, what did I just talk about with Aleister Crowley? He was constantly obsessed with trying to evoke high-level devils through high-level, what they call ceremonial magic, into our plane of existence. I believe the um, one of the main ones he did is called the Alam Trough working, where he did this. And then L. Ron Hubbard, the guy that started, um, and also uh, Ron Parsons of Jet Propulsion Laboratory, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, founder of Scientology, who were actually protégés of Crowley, did the Babylonian working, where they were literally trying to evoke and invite through the whore of Babylon through whatever portal, wormhole, or stargate, or whatever you want to refer to it as, into our plane of existence. This is very important to occultists. Very important. You can say, oh, I don't believe any of that stuff. It really is irrelevant if you don't believe it. They, they know that it's true. They'll literally see devils and demons, and these devils and demons are the ones telling them to do it. So if there was no benefit to Satan's kingdom, why would they be so intent on having the most high-level occultists devote time, energy, human sacrifice toward these things? If it's that important to them, we should be praying against it, is the whole point. The goal, let me read this again, the goal of Satanists is to eventually have demonic spirits materialize, really fallen angels, more so, in the guise of benevolent beings. They're going to appear maybe as angels of light, like Satan can appear. According to former Illuminati member, they will use rituals, dimensional portals, and blood sacrifice to make this happen. A guy named Marcos writes, why would the elite spend hundreds of years studying these rituals? Gemantria, which is the, the study of numbers from a cult standpoint, numerology, etc. Why do some spend their whole lives studying this garbage? If it, did, if it didn't work at all, they would just get tired of it and go spend their millions in Monaco. Great point. There is benefit to witchcraft. Or they wouldn't do it. If there wasn't some self-centered thing that was being uh, given to them, they wouldn't do it. Now, it, you get to a certain level and you realize, wow, I'm a prisoner. I've got to do what these things say or they're going to kill me. In that particular case, it's self-preservation. Okay? But at, when you first start out in witchcraft, if let's say it's not generational Luciferian like that you're born into, but when you first start out in just like low-level stuff or whatever, 
you know, Satan throws out the carrots, gives you the goodies, gets you in the going a little bit further, a little bit darker, a little bit more. And that's how he gets you roped in. Many witnesses say these spirits actually appear. I personally know people who have seen and even talked to them. Many of these witnesses are very down-to-earth people. Uh, in this case, a software engineer was one of them. We live in a world where people worship a wall where where water has formed in the image of Mary or a piece of toast in the face of a false Jesus. I wonder what would happen if spiritual apparitions became commonplace. They are. Why do you think they have all these shows on TV about ghost hunters and ghost this and ghost that and apparition this and whatever, haunted? All of these shows, none of them ever show you how you actually are supposed to deal with with these evil entities. It's call the Catholic priest or the pseudo-Christian church where the pastor has no backbone or better yet, call your local medium or witch because they can communicate the spirit and let it go to the light because they just need to be released or whatever. It's such a bunch of lies and garbage. Those people that are posing as these other supposed people, whether it was a mass murder or whether it was dearly departed Aunt Velma, are not those people. Those people are in hell, most likely. These spirits. What they are, they are called familiar spirits. The Bible refers to them as that. Why? Because they're familiar with that person when they walk the earth. They can look like them, they can talk like them, they can have all the attributes of that person and deceive you into thinking that it's really Aunt Velma. And it's not. It is not. Aunt Velma's most likely in hell. But this familiar spirit who is familiar with their actions is, in, is an imposter and posing as them and acting like, oh, this and that and haunting or whatever. They're devils. You either go to heaven or hell and you die. You just don't get to hang around and haunt a house if you want to. So, uh, is appointed unto man wants to die and after this the judgment. The Bible's very clear on that. So, um, People will need another explanation apart from the one given by the media if spiritual apparitions become commonplace. And I really believe we're, we're heading into a time where because of all this mass witchcraft that is being done on a global scale and will continue to be done, and because of things like we talked today about with Jay-Z and these, these are literally witchcraft in some ways ceremonies. You go to a concert and they're saying all this garbage. They're saying all this garbage in the lyrics and all these devils and demons. This is literally giving these devils and demons a right to invade our existence, our plane of existence. They're like mass witchcraft ceremonies. And these apparitions and these types of things are going to become commonplace. And you're going to need to know how to deal with it from a, from a biblical perspective. And you do it through the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But you've got to do it as a saved Christian as well. And you've got to have faith behind it. Um, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, a reoccurring theme on TV and movies is the concept of portals, wormholes, stargates, whatever you want to call them, that send travelers from one dimension or universe to another. Um, you've got Stargate Atlantis, you've got Stargate SGI, you've got the movie Stargate, you've got other ones as well. Uh, for one example, Stargate, the movie, presented this concept as well as aliens and spiritual ascension. Even the Smurfs wait for a specific celestial alignment in order to open a portal to our world. Smurfs was rife with occult stuff. I mean, Gargamel's cat, Azrael, is literally the name of the angel of death. 
So, anyway, a book called Rastros do Oculto from Brazilian author Daniel Mastrel may explain the reoccurrence of this theme in media. Mastrel used to be a high-ranking Satanist, bred specifically to lead the group in Brazil, but instead he turned to Christ and became a Christian. In the book, he states that occultism, magic, and Satanism seek the opening of portals and communication of evil fallen angels or demons. This accumulated esoteric knowledge of the ages was passed down by devils and demons and fallen angels in the form of rituals in order to open these portals and alienate people from God, assuring their damnation. Misery likes company. Understand, what does it always end up boiling down to at the end? Who goes to heaven and who goes to hell? Why are they trying to open these portals? Is it just because they want to come here and harass us? No. Ultimately, it's to alienate people from God and assure their damnation. Misery loves company. Knowing this is the case, this is my comment, it is a virtual guarantee that Satan and his minions do not want you knowing this information I'm going over right now. Today in general, not to say that the other teachings aren't important. I'm just saying. If this is that important to Satan, he don't want you knowing about it. And I guarantee you, if you go to Smiley Joel Osteen's church right now, he's probably not preaching on this. Not to say that I think I'm so much better. I'm just saying. You're just not going to get this type of, of warning in a mainstream 501c3 typical church. Uh, um, it's not going to happen. Now, why is this important? Well, let's give you some Bible verses. Obviously, we've said this one many times, 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. 1 Timothy 1.18. This I charge and commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou mightest war a good warfare. We're in a war. We're supposed to war a good warfare. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. When we're dealing with these entities, we're warring, we're not warring after the flesh. They're spiritual. So it's not like you're going to take a sword and cut them up. You can take the sword of the spirit and cut them up, but not a literal sword. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they're not worldly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Having a readiness to revenge? Well, yeah, but the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Yeah, I understand that. And that would be in reference to, okay, your neighbor does you wrong and you want to have, go get back at him. Okay, no, don't do that. Turn the other cheek, whatever. Okay, don't, you're not supposed to go over there and try to take revenge. This is actually a readiness to revenge all disobedience of these particular devils and demons and things that we're dealing with. That's where our warfare actually is. If the, if the neighbor's evil, it's just because he has a demonic problem. So you're actually not even dealing with the, the, the flesh of the neighbor, but with the demons, or the devils, 
that are motivating him. So this is the, the, the thing is, is having a readiness to revenge all disobedience. When we see this stuff, like we've talked about today, this blasphemous garbage with Kanye West and Jay-Z and all that stuff and Aleister Crowley, I mean, it, it makes you righteous indignant. And you and there's a part of, of us that wants to engage that a lot of times. And again, that's why I did the teaching on imprecatory prayers, Psalm 64, when it talks about that concept. You know, we're not supposed to turn the other cheek to a devil. We're not spo- supposed to um, bless a devil in his righteous efforts, in his unrighteous efforts. You, under, you understand? When Jesus said those things, it was in dealing with a person one-on-one. Okay, Now, if that person's coming in and wanting to kill and rape and, and beat your family, that's a whole other deal. That's protection of your family, which is biblical. If a man provideth not for his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And providing for the house would also be protecting your house. Not just let, letting them run roughshod over you and rape and kill your family. So that's a whole other deal there. But when you're dealing with devils, fallen angels, and demons, you're not you're to, you're to give them no quarter. You're, you're you're not to have mercy on them. From a spiritual standpoint, you're not. And if you apply Psalm 64 in dealing with an evil entity type of standpoint, it makes a lot more sense, and it's easier to reconcile scriptures. So. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, Ephesians 6.10, and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you put on the, the whole armor of God if you want to engage in these battles. You're supposed to do it anyway. Because if you don't, how are you going to stand against the wiles of the devil if you don't have the full armor of God on? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, a reiteration of what I just said, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where the true battle is. You battle them with the sword. The sword of the Spirit is the only offensive weapon of the armor of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is more quick and powerful than any two-edged sword the Bible talks about. The sword of the Spirit, though, can only be wielded through faith. If you quote scripture and there's no faith behind it, and that's why the Bible says, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So the shield of faith is, but it gives you the the, um, the power to wield the sword. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. They're integrally related, in other words. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. So, if you're lacking faith, just get in the Word of God, play it, meditate on it, listen to it, and it will build your faith. So, the previous mentioned author tells us that in ancient Egypt, Satan promised an alliance to a few. These people who became the mystery school members are known as the Brotherhood of the Children of Fire. According to Mastral, these are the two kinds of there are two kinds of portals portals to the body and portals to the earth. Portals to the body allow demons to interact and control humans. The most basic ritual is channeling, where a medium lets a spirit talk through his mouth or his or her mouth, dispensing, counseling, and commanding. Blood sacrifices, symbols, music, drugs, and special meditation 
permit a higher level of demonic attachment and consequently more spiritual powers to the follower. This is how all this stuff works. These powers are the classic occult tricks of divination, telepathy, uh, which are basically messages delivered by demons, creation of fire, telekinesis, etc. Um, easy example. Somebody's like, well, yeah, you were, uh, you were so-and-so yesterday. Well, how did you know that? How could you know? Well, the devils that are around that person are communicating with the medium's devils, and the medium's devils literally can speak to her. She's hearing them, and she just regurgitates it. And they think, oh, wow, they have all these special powers. All it is are devils communicating with one another. Somebody dies or whatever, and one out of 50 times a psychic will get it right because the vast majority, they're wrong. Okay, because God's just not going to let them be right all the time. Oh, oh, see, the psychics do work. Yeah, one out of 50 times, and it's just because the devil saw the murder committed, and the devil knows where the body is, and that devil communicated with the psychic's devils. So all of a sudden she had this vision, and she knows where the body is. Oh, wow. Big deal. (laughs) You know? But this is how Satan gets glorification through the occult arts, through this type of garbage. It's very simple to explain. So going further... um, These are not enhancements of the individual, but merely deeds done by evil spirits to look like the person has, quote, evolved. Much of the doctrine of chakras and the awakening of the kundalini spirit, which is basically total demonization, is in truth opening of bodily portals to demons. It's just letting more devils into you. The higher you go in witchcraft, the more portals in your body you have to open up to let them come in. And the more devils you get, the more power you get, but also the more plagued you are, the more miserable you are, the more controlled you are, the more you are subject to them. Until finally, you know, they're just controlling you, and if you don't do what they say, they can, they'll just kill you. Is how a lot of people in the occult end up. More advanced followers um, can leave their bodies and perform astral projection where they move around in their spirit bodies while their bodies are resting. In this condition, they can also visit and interact with demon spirits. They can also try to come and kill you. And, um, yeah, they can try, but, you know, if you're a saved person under the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, that's your protection there. That's your protection. And these people go out of body, and Shirley MacLaine, you know, had that thing a long time ago where she was, you know, she got in all the new age stuff and then she had that movie they released where she astral projected out of her body and it said she had the silver cord tied to her and she could literally go all the way to the dark side of the moon but she couldn't go any further. The Bible talks about that silver cord in Ecclesiastes where Solomon talks about it. It said if the silver cord should ever be loosed meaning you die. If somebody is astral projecting and that silver cord is cut while they're astral projecting, they die in real life. It's well known in the occult world. That's how it goes down. But they can literally be sent to try to spy, to try to assassinate and these types of things while astral projecting. What astral projecting also does is it hyper-accelerates the aging process of the occultist. It's very, very, very hard on the body because it's not natural. And it, and it makes you, um, it accelerates the aging process. The whole hierarchy in Satanism depends on power and the level of the demon who is residing with the person. 
uh, his supposed protector. Usually people with long family ties with the occult or generational Satanism or Luciferianism have the most powerful demons by their sides. Why would that be? Well, demons, when you die, if you are demon-possessed, those devils try to go into your offspring. Okay, That's a well-known fact, too, in the occult. High-level Satanist dies, they'll typically try to go into the firstborn person. I've read account of account of account where this tries to happen. If the firstborn person is a born-again Christian, doesn't mean they won't try, but I believe they won't be able to get in. Okay? Now, if the person's totally living apart from God's will, and you know what I mean, and I don't know. I mean, that I think that we can have, you know, demonic issues if we're out of the will of God and, you know, not serving Him and, you know, whatever. But then again, you should be chasing then if you're really saved. So, um, these are things that, from an occult standpoint, do happen. And they will typically try to go to the firstborn, and if they can't get into the firstborn, they'll try to go down the line. Uh, and that's how somebody that's involved in generational Satanism can literally pass on high-level devils to their their offspring. And th- they may find that when they got these devils, all of a sudden their occult powers went from, you know, like a certain level, and all of a sudden now they're like way up high because now they've got all these devils residing in them. The devils always seek to inhabit a body, just like Jesus Christ said, when the... Spirit, when the unclean spirit goeth out of a man, he goeth in dry places, and when he finds no no rest, then he seeketh seeketh to go back into the same body that he's in. And if he find it clean and swept, then he'll take seven more devils, even worse than himself, and go back into the same body. That's I'm paraphrasing here, but that's what Jesus Christ said. So they're always seeking to inhabit a body, most likely because these are di- the spirits of disembodied Nephilim, the ones that roam the earth in Noah's day. The spirits had to go somewhere, and the book of Enoch does say this is what they are. Regardless if you believe that or not, you know, they're not the same as fallen angels. Okay, a fallen angel was a created being, fell from heaven. A Nephilim would be a disembodied spirit, a hybrid, half-human, half-fallen angel spirit. And when it died, like in Noah's day, all the, all the Nephilim were killed, where did those spirits go? Because they're not fully human, and they're not fallen angel, these are where the terms devils and demons came from. And I believe this is what they are. And the book of Enoch is very clear on that when it talks about that. And the book of Enoch is referenced in the Bible. And uh, I've done teachings on that. Just key in Enoch in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com when we get into that. So, uh, going further here, Usually people with long uh, ties with the occult have the most powerful demons on their side. Strong demons can indeed inflict disease and create accidents and fights among Satanists are common. I'm sorry. Uh, So strong demons can indeed inflict disease, create accidents. Fights among Satanists are very common. Portals to earth are more complicated. In other words, there's portals to the body, there's portals to earth. According to Mastro, reality is comprised of nine dimensions which overlap in space but are separated in practice. Now, this is his, this is the guy that was heavily involved in generational cult. Came out, got saved, and this is what he's saying. I'm not saying this is absolutely the exact thing going on, but he, he does have a unique perspective, and I'm not saying it couldn't be this way. So, he's saying reality is comprised of nine dimensions which overlap in space but are separated in practice. He gives us the metaphor of an elevator. 
Spirits from more elevated dimensions can go down to lower floors, but no one can go up. We live in the fourth dimension as humans. Below us, there are several powerful demons who have been imprisoned by God as judgment. Now, where do we see evidence of this? Easy. 1 Peter 3.18-20 through 20. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Okay, he was put to death in the flesh, but Christ was quickened by the Holy Spirit. By which he also went, meaning by the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ also went and preached unto the spirits in prison. He preached unto the spirits in prison. When he was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, he preached unto these spirits, these evil spirits in prison. These spirits, who were they? Well, which sometime were disobedient, meaning these prison, these spirits were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. Oh, the days of Noah. Oh, so, these are the same sons of God that saw the daughters of men that they were fair in Genesis 6, and took them wives all that they chose, and as a result of that were cut off from God forever, and were put into a special compartment of hell called Tartaros which is only used one time in the Bible to describe where they're at. It's, it's the only time that hell is used, it, translated from the word Tartarus, Tartarus. It's a special compartment of hell where these fallen angels were put. Okay? These were sometimes disobedient, these fallen angels, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, these are more confirmation, we're talking about these angels that fell, they kept not their first estate. What is that word estate translated from? Home, or abode, these types of things. So, they left their home, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains, under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Those were the ones that Jesus Christ went and preached to. He might have preached to others, but he definitely preached to them. Okay? This guy says, we live in the fourth dimension. Below us there are several powerful demons who have been imprisoned by God as judgment. Now, he could have been referring to these angels. He could have also been referring to the fact of, okay, we've got Aleister Crowley. We've got L. Ron Hubbard. We've got all these high-level occultists trying to literally open these gateways. We got CERN over in um, the UK, the Super Particle Collider, trying to open up these doorways to let, essentially, these, these fallen angels into our plane of existence through high-level witchcraft, or high-level even technology in this particular case, blood sacrifice, because this is essential for the arrival of the Antichrist and the false prophet. I believe this is all part of that, and it has to happen. Jude 1.7 says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, these are the, these are the gay men with gay men, giving themselves over to fornication, and going after strange flesh, that would be men with men in this particular case, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. 
So that sounds to me like homosexuals, bisexuals, transgender go to hell and burn in fire. Okay? I had a guy email me this week. He was like, oh, uh, rebuking me because I'm judging him because he's gay, yet he still serves Jesus Christ. And there's, there's, there's gay people out there that serve Jesus Christ, but yet they're homosexual. Sorry, but that doesn't really line up with what the Word of God says. At all. Sorry. But Lucifer is the only evil spirit to visit. Now, this is, okay, going back to the report. This guy says, um, Lucifer is the only evil spirit to visit the ninth and highest plane. The ninth and highest plane would be heaven. Okay. Where do we have proof of that in the Bible? Because if he, if somebody makes a statement in these things, if I can't verify it with the Bible, then I'm, I'm going to not even have it in the study. Okay? He says that basically Satan's the only evil spirit to visit the ninth and highest plane. Where do we have evidence of that? Job. Job 1.6. Now there was a day when the sons of God, now these are good angels that were reporting back to God, came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. It doesn't say Satan and his fallen angels. It doesn't say Satan's and demons and devils. It just says Satan. And the Lord said unto Satan, Where comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. There's a lot of stuff going on in the earth. Hell's down there. A lot of stuff going on under our feet we're not even aware of. Not even including the whole subterranean bases that they've made. But a lot of evil stuff goes on in the earth. I did a whole teaching on the subterranean bases. You can check out if you like. Um, so, we know Satan actually can present himself before the Lord. Now, there will be a time in Revelation where he will be cast out of heaven. He won't have access to heaven anymore. But, he's this guy that's writing this article, or not even writing the article that they're quoting from, this High-level Luciferian who became a born-again Christian says Lucifer is the only evil spirit to visit the ninth and highest plane, which does line up with the Word of God. And that's all that matters to me. Okay, so, um, goes back to this. It says, some portals are temporary and some, and some, the most important ones, are permanent. Temporary portals depend on exact timing and special alignment of the dimensions. And this knowledge is beyond our science or perception. That's why occultists obsess with numerology, gematria, and astrology. For these are the tools that allow the calculations to be performed in order to profit from the portals to contact high-level evil spirits. Doesn't this all make sense? They're doing this for a reason, and he's telling us why they're doing it. And it makes perfect sense. Evil spirits cannot arbitrarily manifest in the middle of Fifth Avenue. They need the strong energy created in blood rituals in order to materialize. But once the ritual ends, they must go. These are, these are in these temporary portals. More stable contact can only be achieved through, um, I guess, the permanent ones. The permanent portals. Permanent portals are the main objective of Satanists. They like to be called children of Lucifer with the stress on the last syllable. So Lucifer, evidently. Um, is how they like to say, fancy themselves being called. Permanent portals. 
According to Mastral, the guy that wrote this book, there are 90 of these permanent portals around the world. And 72 have been opened by the turn of the century. Nine more have been opened by 2006. The turn of the century meaning 2000. And the last of the nine are scheduled to be opened by, guess what, 2013. The last of the nine. The exact conditions for the openings of these portals are known to only a few witches of the highest rank. We can expect that they require huge amounts of human sacrifice and psychic energy. Now, I did a report, and I can't find it, and I've mentioned these people called the Star Doves. You can find them online. Just one of the many, but one of the main ones that literally brag about they go around and try to open these portals and uh, do all of their witchcraft in order to do it. But they're doing it like, oh, this new age benevolent, wonderful thing. Come join us and we're going to go open these portals and, and, and you know all of this goodness is going to spring forth from these things. And they're just, these people are so demon possessed I can hardly look at them. I mean, seriously, they're, so like their father the devil, they literally look like him. And they can't even help it. And uh, they're called the Stardoves. And they're actually centered out of um, uh, North Carolina. And um, the Lord showed me where their compound was because it was hard to find. It was very, very hard to find. And we almost found, I almost came up on it by accident. And we prayed out in front of it. Taylor and I. It was really weird. It was right. It was, the Baptist church was right across the street from it. And as soon as we pulled in the parking lot, all these flies were swarming around the windows. We had the windows up, but all these flies were swarming. It was just really weird. And um, we prayed there, and then we went went to Mount Pisgah, which is also another place they talk a lot about in North Carolina. That was that that trip we took last year to uh, pray over that place called the Dragon, up in Robbinsville in the mountains of North Carolina, where all these uh, Bikers die, they try to do that, and a lot of occult stuff goes on up there in the mountains. The high places, just like the Bible. You know, we, we, we prayed there, we prayed over this place called the Devil's Triangle. We turned uh, this trip into just basically praying over every occult place we could possibly find. I was going into the woods, I was pulling over trying to find these altars, um, you know, while we were on it. But, yeah, a lot of very, very high level satanic stuff goes on up in the mountains of uh, North Carolina. Uh, Asheville, we've talked about that before, the satanic population there. So um, these are things that I do believe we need to really come against in prayer, fasting, and these types of things. And um, it's very, very important to high-level cultists that these portals be opened. And that should bring it on our radar screen as something that we need to come against. So um, this reminded me of some teachings I have done and this one was entitled Todd Bentley's Kundalini, the Kundalini Energy Calling to Open the Stargates for Satan. And I'm just going to read you the table of contents for that. This is from 08, so quite a long while ago. On 6-23-08, C. Peter Wagner brought about 25 of his, quote, apostles to the Lakeland Revival for the purpose of endorsing and anointing and commissioning Todd Bentley and to proclaim him as the number one revivalist of the century. See Peter Wagner. Todd Bentley. Number one revivalist of the century. Okay. Um, the only thing missing was a crown. He was called 
God's number one man of the hour. Bob Jones, Todd Bentley's spiritual uh, portal to the third heaven mentor, sent a, quote, word that the, quote, poison against Todd Bentley would end last night. Oh, really? The poison against him would end last night. Wow. We're going to see that that uh, didn't play out too good for him. Yet one more false prophecy in the books will be th- that will be quickly and collectively forgotten by Charismatics because we know of all the disgrace that happened to Todd Bentley shortly thereafter. Okay, and I'll get into that in a second. One of his, quote, apostles prophesied that God had called Bentley to open the portals or the magical stargates to the third heavens in every city around the world. One of the main stated goals of this movement is the opening of the northern stargate to the nations. Isn't that funny? The Bible doesn't tell us to do any of this garbage, yet the high-level cultist Luciferians and the supposed Christians are all obsessed with kind of doing the same thing. Wow, what discernment these, quote, Christians must have. Could it be that a lot of them are actually closet Satanists that know exactly what they're doing? Yeah, I think that's the more likely scenario. We will be talking about this concept at length in this teaching. I'll give you the link here. And whoever forgot Stacey Campbell's devil manifesting her powerful kundalini spirit to prophesy over Todd Bentley and lay her demon-possessed hands on his stomach to impart the kundalini serpent devils to him. I mean, what's there's no red flags here. Come on. Why can't we all just get along? I just need to lighten up. Click below to watch this commissioning and the demonically possessed prophetess Stacy Campbell do this. I give you a link here if you want to see it happen. Um, Charisma Magazine, or they should call it Charismania Magazine, 62408, their article entitled Leaders Commission Todd Bentley at Lakeland Outpouring. Remember the whole Lakeland thing? Anyway, the special service was billed by leaders as one of the greatest moments in revival history. See, Peter Wagner said to Todd Bentley on the platform, this commissioning represents a powerful spiritual transaction taking place in the invisible world. Oh yeah, it was a real spiritual transaction. Definitely taking place in the invisible world, but it was all demonic and evil. Todd Bentley covered from head to toes in occultic tattoos, pierced all over. But he's the man of God the greatest revivalist of the last century, the God's man of the hour, called to open the portals to the third heavens in every city around the world. No red flags here, none at all. And you know, I, as I started to actually dig into good old Todd Bentley and research his history, did you know he was a convicted child molester? Did you know that? All on record. Here's my, my my teaching on it. Lakeland Revival, convicted child molester, Todd Bentley, lying signs and wonders. And then, God TV, Lakeland, Todd Bentley, and Satanism. There's another teaching I did. And then my last, the coup de grace, breaking current events, Todd Bentley's false revival shutdown. Guess what? God called me and my brother, uh, Doug, to actually go up to Lakeland that summer, got up there, and I give you, I give you the testimony. I'm probably leaving it out a, a lot out because it was fresh in my mind then. But we went up there. I, I was sick of it. I'm like, I'm going up there to pray against this garbage. I, I mean, I'm not to say I wasn't the only one that ever did it, but I really felt we were supposed to go up there. Went up there. They had just moved it over to a, 
a private airport because it supposedly outgrew his church. So it was on this private airport, and we were there. It was like a circus. It was crazy. And uh, Doug and I basically went in. It was like Charismania on steroids. And we sat, we sat in the back, and we prayed for hours. Todd wasn't even there that day. It didn't really matter, though. It was where the revival was actually happening. We went in there, prayed, saw all kind of ungodly things going on. Just nutty. And we prayed for a long time. Left. Guess what? Literally within, I think it was like two days, um, it came out where he all of a sudden came out and said, yep, I'm cheating on my wife. Basically, God told me to leave my wife. And I'm having an affair with this uh, lady in the ministry. <laughs> so he totally, as if all the other stuff didn't discredit him, the infidelity issue was enough for him to finally get people's eyes open. Within less than one week, those tents that were set up were all down. One week. And I, do, I believe two praying Christians there on site God used that in order to totally, totally just self-destruct that whole abomination that was going on. And it was being reported all over the earth. It was being reported on NBC, Nightline, all these things were running stuff on it. And I don't, I mean, I mean, I looked around, I don't think anybody else was praying against it there. Everybody else looked like they were way into it. We were the only ones that were like, kind of like, right in the back, off by ourselves, we didn't really, I didn't want to have anybody laying hands on me or any of that stuff. Uh-uh. No way. And that doesn't mean I think I'm so great or whatever, but, and just showing you that God can do that with any of us. He can use any of us to shut down something. We went to, um, Doug and I went to, uh, that David Herzog guy. Man, talk about a nut job. Pentecostal. I mean, this is supposedly, oh, like, Rubies are appearing on the pews and, and people are getting their teeth filled with gold and the spontaneous weight loss and all kind of garbage that was going on. I'm not lying. And supposedly every single time he had, he had been preaching for a long time, they had had like, um, all these supposed miracles and wonders happen. The guy couldn't have, he looked like a guy that just came out of like a, uh, like clubbing. Like if you were in like New York City and he'd go out clubbing, the guy looked like he just walked out of a nightclub or something. Him and his wife, both. I mean, they they looked like, they did not look like Christians at all. Not even a little bit. They didn't talk like Christians. They didn't act like a Christian. But everybody loved them. And we went there and um, we prayed again. Nothing happened that night. Not one supposed miracle. Oh, wow, I wonder. I mean, if we were doing Satan's work, or whatever, okay, and we go there, and we're praying by God, and we're praying, Lord, if there's anything that's not of you, please let it not happen, and nothing happens that night, and none of these people were actually getting saved, it was all going after the flesh, it was all, oh, it feels so good, oh, it feels so right, oh, it can't be wrong because my heart, this and that, Satan comes as an angel of light, he can throw you all kinds of little carrots, gifts, and trinkets in order to get you deceived and deluded. And just one or two people praying at an event like that can totally shut the thing down. I'm just telling you, I've witnessed it. So, if you'd like to hear my testimony on that, key on this, it's on page 15, Breaking Events, Todd Bentley's False Revival Shutdown. That was one of the coolest things God's ever let me be a part of. If not the coolest. Just as far as going against Satan. Because that thing was huge. 
I mean, that was like worldwide. They were like, this guy, he's going to be going all over the world doing this. And that happened in just everything. It was just pulled the rug out from under him within one week. You can't say that was just a coincidence. He had all this momentum. And it was all gone that quick. So, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all I can really say. Now, um, then we have my teaching on biblically exposing and fighting New Age witchcraft. And this teaching is a a unique one regarding an email I received recently from a high-level New Age witch. In this teaching, we are going to be looking at some of Satan's devices and why he's still the most subtle beast of the field, according to Genesis 3.1. New Agers are well aware of the coming false Christ. And they are openly using mass witchcraft to usher in his presence. In conjunction with this, in order to deceive their duped followers, they are boasting many miracles, deep healings, and supernatural manifestations. All of these could easily biblically fall under the signs and lying wonders category that the Bible says will be one of the main characteristics of the end times. These New Age witches, previously like Aleister Crowley, the Great Beast, or L. Ron Hubbard, the inventor of Scientology, are trying to open demonic doorways they call portal vortexes or stargates in order to defile humanity and the world we live in. This is one of the spiritual battles that all Christians are called to. This is a real battle that we as Christians need to take the offensive on and persevere. Part 2 of this teaching will cover how this relates to Lord Maitreya of the whole UN. Not Lord, but Devil Maitreya is what I like to call him. He's the one coming saying he's going to be the uh, weighted savior to all the main world religions. So, he's also United Nations sponsor. So, back to the main report. A great honor given to Satanists is to be able to pass through one of these portals and meet the demonic powers on their, quote, home turf. In this process, there is a temporal shift with minutes on earth, meaning hours, in another plane. Meaning you could, if you were like these people that die for three minutes, and it's like they go away, and it's like it seems like hours. Because it's another dimension. Time may not even apply in that dimension, as we know it. And that's hard to understand, because we live in time. So, But God's outside of time. He knows the beginning from the end. And if that wasn't the case, how did John the Revelator get taken and shown Revelation? He was taken from one time period, put into another, and shown what was going to happen. Think of time like a big capsule, the start being the Garden of Eden, the end being like, I don't know, the thousand year millennial reign of Christ, probably. And God's on the outside looking in, but he's not subject to time. He created it for our benefit. I know that's hard to conceive. I can't even really conceive it, but that's the way it is. So anyway... um, with minutes on earth meaning hours in another plane of existence, much like what happens in alien abductions as well. Because these things are interdimensional a lot uh, most of the time. The opening of these portals is the reason that we have seen since the 1950s so many spiritual manifestations. And again, yes, this could be holographic. Uh, this could be governmental, experimental craft. But when we have UFOs and light orbs and apparitions and sometimes in plain daylight obviously a lot of that is demonic. And we're dealing with things that are coming from another dimension. Now, I've done a lot of teachings on the whole UFO subject that I post here. Preparation for Alien, UFO Deception, and High Gear, Parts 1, 2, 3, and 4. The UFO and the Alien Phenomenon, the next great challenge for the church, with a question mark. And then my uh, some PDFs that relate to those things. So, 
Okay, so continuing with the article, Satan's hope is that with the opening of these last portals that we mentioned, powerful fallen angels, devils, demons from lower dimensions will be able to come to earth and eventually interact with humankind in obviously a much more hindered way than they have been able to do so up till now, is I guess the point here. They will not present themselves as demons, but as benevolent aliens and evolved spirits of light, also these ascended masters that we've talked about. Um, <clears throat> Mastral tells us that some human individuals are indeed empowered by changes in their DNA. Uh, this can happen in three ways. Demonic sexual spirits like incubus and succubus can transport reproductive fluids among humans. Now, I know you say, oh, come on. Well, what would that literally be for Satan? You know, I mean, to do something like that. Two, a demon-possessed man can ha- can fertilize a woman. Or three, very rarely, a couple can pass through a portal and have intercourse on the other side. One of the main things that these things try to do is actually to have intercourse with humans. What were they doing in Noah's day? <laughs> the exact same thing. Okay, the fallen angels fell and took them wise while they chose. They bore them, these giants, these Nephilim, these fallen ones. Okay, so... Satan's no different now, and he's got his ways and tricks that he uses to pull this off. So in all cases, the evil energy affects the embryo's DNA. It's almost like it's Satan's seed, essentially. Um, If the DNA is not human DNA, well, then it's Satan's seed, essentially. It's, it's, It's purely corrupted. If the seed's corrupted, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And um, the evil energy affects the embryo's DNA of these three ways that we just mentioned in a way that it makes it easier for the individual to interact with spirits and to be a channel for more powerful psychic powers. Well, the Bible talks about that, you know, he's going to separate the wheat from the tares. And, you know, these these would fall under the classification of a tear um, or... um, a vessel of wrath fitted or prepared ahead of time for God's destruction, like the Bible talks about in Hebrews. So, um, normal people can't stand the perfect perfect possession from a high-level devil. The body would actually die. And that's why channelers are always exhausted after a, quote, session. It takes a lot out of them, just like astral projection takes a lot out of them. The Satanist goal is to eventually perfect a human who can stand a complete possession from a very high-level devil and exhibit powers never seen on earth. Well, that's what the Antichrist and the False Prophet, calling fire down from the sky, signs and lying wonders, so much so they're going to be so unbelievable, such high-level witchcraft, that they're going to deceive the whole world by those false miracles and signs and wonders. So, it's very important for for them to get that on track. From a satanic standpoint. Um, This person may even exist today. He will be the Antichrist. Mastral's explanations match what we know about Satanism and the mystery schools. Even if you don't believe in this weird spiritual reality, you should be very concerned that our globalist elite do believe it. And that they require human blood for their plans. We live in the age of Alice Bailey's book entitled Externalization of the Hierarchy when centuries-old occult secrets will be revealed. Now, my comment on that is if you do a keyword search for Alice Bailey on Maitreya's website, his UN-sponsored Share International, I believe, shareinternational.org website, 
here's what you get. And I give you a link to his website, or actually a Google search link to his website because they use Google on there. I don't advise using Google, but if you search it from within the site, and it'll show you all of the ways they've they've all of the times they've recommended Alice Bailey's writings in his very own site. These are integral for the end time scenario. Um, that's like their blueprint plans. The bad guys know know that we know what they're doing. And we should expect open war soon. However, this is primarily not a physical war. It is a spiritual one. We have God on our side and his holy angels to protect us. Mastrel does... Mastro himself decided to leave the group when he faced the fact that demons could not touch true Christians. Well, I would preface that if, if a true Christian is has no faith or very little, they're living in sin. These are things that can allow things to affect you. You know, um, you just don't want to get into, into like any kind of cocky mindset, like you know a lot of denominations do, where they view the devil as some idiot and they're always talking about how he's an idiot and, and how they're going to smash him under their feet and how he's so stupid and dumb and powerless. And but a lot of denominations talk about Satan like that and the Bible doesn't. So we just want to make sure, you know, we don't have open doors. Satan knows that he will be defeated and wants to take as many as he can with him while deceiving them with a the promise of victory over God. Ultimately, we have to remember the words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. God has given us a portal to a higher dimension through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but these aren't the kind of demonic portals that we were talking about here. He was using that as an example, though. Fortunately, no rituals or slavery from our part is required to reach Jesus. That's the secret Satan doesn't want us to know. And I give some Bible verses that relate to that here. Uh, Hebrews 4... 14 through 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, our profession of faith. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Satanists don't have that to fall back, to go to. to they have none of that. <clears throat> Romans 8.34 It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us, praying for us. Um, I added the praying for us part. Anyway, who shall separate us from the love of God, of love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, now those are evil principalities or powers that they're in reference to, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So those are the types of things we, we need to uh, dwell on as well to build our faith up. I'm going to go ahead and end part, I believe we're in part three, and go to part four next. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part four.